Brown Shag Carpet. My name is Corey Pepitone. I am here with my wife, Lori Pepitone. We get to share in the pastoral roles at Rabbit Creek Church here in Anchorage, Alaska. And we are here today with a couple of really good friends, Heather and Kylie. Lori, tell us a little bit more about where we're going today. So this is another episode in our series uh, just regarding our kiddos and with neurological and medical differences and how we figure those out and how we navigate and all of that. And so these are two moms with some amazing kids of different ages and um, whom I have had the joy to uh, journey with along the way. And so they are here to share with us some of what they've learned and experienced and, and how amazing their kids are. Very cool. Well, let's, uh, without any further ado, let's kick this off a little bit. Ladies, uh, introduce us. Introduce us to you. I'm Kylie. And I am a parent of an adult son who um, struggled for a lot of years before we were able that to... That was hard for me to hear you say. We struggled for a lot of years before we got some answers and um, we ended up with some diagnoses of dysgraphia, auditory processing disorder, um, non-hyperactive ADD, and um, some food allergies in there, which all kind of was a perfect storm, um, but we figured it out. Awesome. Uh, my name is Heather. I've got a nine-year-old, um, and um, he was diagnosed with autism, um, autism spectrum disorder. We also have some medical diagnosis of uh, abdominal migraines. And then, did you want me to? Sure. Um, and then another son who's six with a diagnosis of epilepsy and multiple food allergies and a digestive disorder called uh, eosinophilic gastroenteritis. Can you spell that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you use all the letters. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, we probably have a three-letter acronym we can use. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you both ladies for being here today and sharing with us a little bit about your family's journey. Um, so what what was it that you noticed um, and maybe it was one thing immediately or things over time, which is kind of what I assume, that led you to seeking out more information or medical help or whatever it was and how did that how did that part start for you? That's a big question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd say at age three we just started to see um, behavioral changes, which now when I look back, I think that was probably more food allergy related. Mm. Okay. Um, constant irritation that led to just a, um, a mood that was always about two points from losing it. Okay. Um, and then as we got into school, um, I personally just kind of noticed a very low frustration tolerance. Like for a kid who was fun and pretty cognitively sharp, like you wouldn't probably notice any deficits in him. Um, academically, we kind of started seeing a disconnect as well. Okay. So a very engaging verbal person, right? but when it came to writing anything, mm -hmm. we would have, I mean, it would take three hours to write six sentences. Right. So and when I did read some of the things that he would write, um, say we're in second, third grade now, I like the zoo. Yes. I like my dog. We like, experienced the same thing with our dog. Nothing cat. beyond that, but when you mm -hmm. spoke to him, you knew there was a whole lot more thought and content into right. that. Um, 
So. So let's tie that real quick. Okay. That, that is probably. That's the dysgraphia. Dysgraphia. Okay. Yeah, that's that's essentially. Um, I don't want to say this because I'm not a clinician, but I think it's somewhat related to dyslexia. <laughs> right. It's just a, a brain block when it comes to getting the words out. Right. Okay. Not necessarily verbally, but in a, um, a written form. And if there's actually a physical element of it too, the yes. clinician we saw said basically put an oven mitt on your hand and hold pencil, and that's what it feels like for your son to write. Right. Right. Yes. We had a foster son with that versus our biological son who's dyslexic. Right. Yes, which means so, the reading. And, and not to tie this all to to diagnoses, but that is the thing we're trying to learn to understand. And so, tell us a little bit about auditory processing disorder because that's a new one okay. to me in the last couple of years. So, generally, how I would explain that is a child that maybe was chronically ill, which our son was, like sinus infections from the day he developed a sinus, chronic ear infections. Basically, it was described to us as. His body never really learned how to process noises, textures, all that stuff because there was an element of alteration. Mm -hmm. And so it makes kids very sensitive to things. So I think kids on the autism spectrum often experience something of the same nature, right? Fabrics, noises. Somebody clicking on a keyboard would absolutely send Luke up a wall. When he was the kid, he would definitely Right. You know, I mean, it's just... (laughs) It, I don't completely understand it, but I know it was an element of his frustration and something we needed to deal with. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, where was I going with that? And then... Oh, basically, second grade, I remember speaking to his teacher, saying, hey, we've got a lot of frustration happening. We've got... Um, I'm seeing a disconnect between writing ability and the intelligence of this child. Is this something you're worried about? No, he's a boy. Boys just don't engage. He's just kind of putting in minimal effort. So we kind of just rolled with it. The next year, in the same process, ended up talking with the principal. Well, he's obviously a smart kid. Let's test him for Ignite program because he's obviously intelligent. Maybe he's just not being challenged. That didn't change anything. Right. Um, so really where we got help uh, with, with not really knowing we could have probably navigated this outside of the school system right is when we moved overseas and within the first week his fourth grade teacher said hey i'm really concerned about luke's writing and i said me too like for years (laughs) (laughs) thank you what can we do and that was a private school setting and that was so many of the barriers of getting help for him were erased and so we had the school counselor, we had, they referred us to a psychologist that works with their school and we were able to get him a, him a cognitive assessment, um, get a diagnosis, which you know, the doctor was, he said, this, this is an intelligent child who is just walking around with one or two anchors around his yes. neck. Yes. And he needs a life ring. This kid yeah. doesn't need therapy, he doesn't need right. medication. He needs to win. <laughs> right. Wow. And he said, all right, in math, we're doing, you don't have to write all the words for the word problem. If the answer's 14, write one four. Yeah. Don't write 14 apples left in the basket because that would have derailed us. Um, dictation software, we were able to use that type of yeah. thing. Um, if it was a long project, he could dictate to us and we would type. So some of the in, uh, oral testing, that was the other thing mm-hmm. that really changed things. So those were just life rings that really changed the course 
of where we went. Awesome. Um, so found so, accommodations that yes. yeah. sweet. Yeah. So that's all right. Heather, tell us a little bit about how you guys realized there were things that needed some family attention. Um, well with my my autistic kiddo, um, he was our first and so we didn't know that anything was out of the ordinary. He liked to line cars up on his um, crib rail all the time and as the slightest noises, bright lights, the grocery store would uh, going any place for us was traumatic um, because he would scream the entire trip at the grocery store, for instance. Um, and a, he didn't start talking until he was four. Um, but around two, I started asking the pediatrician, is this normal? He, he's not even saying mom yet. And um, they just told me, nope, it's fine. He's a boy. Boys talk late. You know, <laughs> ignore it. Don't worry about it. Two and a half. I'm asking the same question. This isn't, you know, he's not talking yet. He doesn't even respond when I say his name. And um, at that point, it was a blessing that we were here at Rabbit Creek because um, uh, we came in contact with the speech pathologist. And she knows our family. She knew uh, my son. And she said, you need to get him... Um, evaluated and so she and I might have some of this out of order but she um, evaluated him and for a speech um, the speech regression I guess uh, apraxia I think we it ended up not being that but that's part of the autism diagnosis was the delay the speech delay um, and then we were able to get him um, we tried going through some of the um, services outside like I can't remember what they are. What is that one for the littler kids? Head, um, I think so. Offered by the state um, to get us into a program. Um, and they wouldn't take him because we didn't have a formal diagnosis. And um, we tried to go get a formal diagnosis and they wouldn't see him because he was too young and they thought it was just a speech delay. And it wasn't until we got into the early intervention preschool program um, that Anchorage offers that um, his teacher said that's what we're looking at and at that point we were able to get in with the school psychologist to do the IEP loop and um, get his diagnosis and then he was able to qualify for therapy and we were able to get that ball rolling but it was a good two years of fighting just to be heard that something's wrong yeah. And, uh, go ahead. Um, and I didn't mention, he also has dyslexia, right. um, moderate to severe. And again, the teachers were like, nope, there's no problem. He's not reading at all in second grade. There's no problem. Um, boys are just slower. And um, Which is great that they're being encouraging and going, don't stress out, but you're going, wait, something but wrong. This, but this is yeah. different. Yeah. 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 This is yeah, different. A little more intuition. Yeah. He wasn't able to rhyme at all. Um, and he wasn't able to like clap to us, to the syllables. And he wasn't able to sound out words. That was something that was a disconnect for him. Um, consonant, vowel, consonant words. And we got in connection with Heather Walton mm -hmm. and got him assessed and um, are now seeing a tutor for that. And he's, as soon as he was given the tools, the kid's reading everything in front of him. Right. So, so right. the next question we're going to ask is actually, give us a couple of tips for parents who are just stepping into this arena or who are bogged down in this arena, but I'm gonna steal one from both of you that I've heard both of you say. Both of you are discussing the answers that you have gotten, which which occasionally as a society, for very good reason, we push back at with the don't label my kid. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. But both 
both of you are discussing those things right now as tools, or at least steps to tools that helps your kids. And I think for a parent who's listening to this right now, who is in the middle of that process, who is horrified or scared to death of that, I hear both of you saying that coming out of the other side of that, you found tools that helped your kids succeed mm -hmm. that took some of that pressure off. And I think maybe we need to shine a light on the, this is a difficult process, as you clearly have demonstrated. Um, but also, it's a process that leads to tools that are good for our kids. Absolutely. Our psychologist kind of put it well. He says, you know, people do not want to give diagnoses to kids. I mean, obviously, that's why Heather suffered just for, for that long, right? That's mm -hmm. young, but you're an intuitive parent. You know there's something different. Uh, but he said, he goes, this is what my assessment comes up with for your child. He said, I could be wrong. But he says, you know what? This is going to get you help. Mm -hmm. That's right. why you came to me today. He said, so to the best of my knowledge and ability, I have given you a correct diagnosis. He said, but you're going to get help. Yeah. So my advice is if, if you're frustrated and you know that your child needs something, don't be afraid of a diagnosis because your kid is so much more than that. Absolutely. Right. So much more. Right. And it is something they can overcome. It's a tool just like any of us, like putting on a pair of glasses. I didn't choose to have bad eyesight, but I used the tools given to me. Right. So um, just don't be afraid of that. That was difficult for my husband to accept. I think moms maybe have a little more, <laughs> or maybe females have a little bit more emotional capacity for that. But boy, is he glad that we just did it. Yeah, so. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So other things that come to mind as tips, things that parents need to know. I think my biggest one is I learned um, throughout this process that when things get overwhelming, especially medically and especially in a situation where you feel like nobody understands what you're going through, is don't isolate. Yeah. Find mm -hmm. people that understand, um, even if they don't understand, find surround yourself with people who are willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And that's that saved us because we had two that we were dealing with almost at the same time. and. It's enough to break a norm, a break anybody. It, if you are trying to do it alone, you can't. And then um, I think the other tip that I learned was there is a process, for at least for me, there was a process of grief mm. of not so much, Mike is awesome. And it wasn't him, it was the expect, my expectations of what this journey would be like are different than the reality. And so I had to go through, um, go through that of giving that, relinquishing that to God and trusting him with, with that future because it wasn't what I had planned. And that was a time of grief for me. That's really powerful. And yeah. to give permission to somebody else who is facing that to feel that mm -hmm. is also really powerful because the last thing you want to do is be grieving that and feeling shame about the fact that you're grieving that mm, on top yeah. of it because that's a really hard cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have one more I think that's helpful to just keep your eye on if you're in the middle of this is um, be an advocate for your child no matter what that means. So um, I would, I'm a rule follower and I expect, and I have high expectations and high trust in the people that are surrounding my kids. And so when my kid would, you know, come home from school and have and had spent the day in the principal's office, again, that's who he had more lunches with, with the principal than I think he did with his peers. <laughs> I would say, what did you do? What did you do? Right. And 
at one point he was able to verbalize in, in some way, I need you to fight for me. And I had to change that to how did that happen? And that took so much shame away from him and it gave him a way to explain his perspective. And a lot of times there was misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. A lot of times right. he needed to spend the day with the principal. Right. But um, be an advocate for your child. They need you to be in their corner. They, they need to know that somebody is going to help them figure it out. So you, you actually tap into one that we have talked about recently as a youth group. And that is teaching our kids to say no respectfully and appropriately we laugh i have a teenager in our group with auditory processing disorder and i think this kid would let me share it i certainly wouldn't give their name but i was in youth group three weeks ago and i pulled out one of those little usb lighters mm -hmm. that does the little plasma trick Corey's is a constant fidgeter in case you hadn't figured that out yet <laughs> and and i triggered it in the room and from across the room 30 feet away one of our kids with auditory processing disorder locked eyes with me and went put that away and I went, I'm sorry. And then, and then the kid immediately walked over, and we laughed about it and joked about it. But the ability to look at an adult and go, you need to stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then they explained what was going on. Yeah, and then we, and then we laughed about it, and I agreed to never, ever, ever <laughs> under any circumstances bring that to youth group again. But this is a kid who has been raised with the ability to advocate for themselves. Yeah. And um, self-limit, right? Actually, Lori taught me that. Luke would have a hard time engaging at kids' night on Tuesdays. Like he would oftentimes not participate. He was a, a kid who loved to be active. But in those scenarios, he and, and you brought this to my light, you said, he's self-limiting. He knows he's going to lose control when he's in there. So he, he's not being antisocial and he's not being a little chirpy. Right. He's doing what he knows to not become overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, giving your kid permission to do that instead of, he needs 30 seconds, blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Being a nag. So, one of the other things that, that actually, and Lori threw this out at the last minute, so we're going to throw her under the bus for throwing it out at the last <laughs> minute. But, but a really interesting question for both of you. What has the process taught you about yourself and the way that you parent or the way that you process things? You're arguing over who has to talk. I talked way too much as I usually do. I have learned how to research. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's I've learned a skill. You know, yeah. And I've learned how to ask for help. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've learned how to um, not think I can do it all on my own. And I've learned how to accept um, One of the things that Lori taught me, because she was one of my biggest resources throughout this whole process, was that God chose me to be my kids' parents. He specifically chose me, and that was something that I have learned about myself, is I didn't think that I was capable. And, well, God has told me that I am, because he chose me for that. And But I've learned... It, uh, my biggest one was learning how to reach out for help. That's super cool. Yeah. I learned, and we have a few seconds left, that God taught me how much he loved me through this process. Mm -hmm. He revealed a superior version of my child mm -hmm. to me Amen. through this process. Like, that kid is super smart. He's at Bonafide Nerd School. 
engineering. <laughs> yes. Like I never would have dreamed. And he's engaging and he's kind and he loves God. I could have never dreamed that would come from what I do dealt with. So yeah. He loves me through that. Yeah. No, you you <laughs> both have amazing young men and women as children. <laughs> and uh, it is a joy to learn and grow with them. So again, thank you. Corey's crying. Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I pointed at you to close so we wouldn't have to make that obvious. So, oh, the timer is going off. Would you press stop? So, uh, thank you both again for joining us today. And um, uh, I think we have comments working on the podcast now so that, that folks can engage with that. And I'm sure we can get more information out as we need to because this is a journey that you need to not do alone. Um, seek help from those who have been down that road and from those who can help medically. So yeah, Happy to chat with anybody. Yeah, yeah reach, reach out to us. We would love to continue yeah. to be part of that right. conversation with you. So. But uh, peace to you. Thank you, Kylie and Heather, for being willing to uh, be put on the carpet. And until we meet again at Brownside Carpet. <laughs>